Welcome to Recently Logged, where today we talk about a hero who has yet to enter his own story. Hello. Hey. Hey. <laughs> we, are, we are here uh, with a guest, if you can't tell. <laughs> I hope they would be able to recognize our voices a little bit. Well, who knows? One. They might be a first-time first listener. First-time listener. No, that's that's true. <laughs> but yes, here we are. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, guest? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Kaylor, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, <laughs> big fan of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, this, think, I've actually referenced him before. It's funny. Yeah, we mentioned you, I think, the past two episodes, uh, yes. if my memory serves. <laughs> yes. It's usually calling me out for my poor taste in movies. <laughs> typically, typically. that's. <laughs> you might be the first um, guest we've had on here that has, like substantially listen to the podcast i mean yossi i know did a little while um but like yeah, luke listens to the podcast it's true it's true but like, i'm saying like this is the first guest we've had on like since the podcast has like gotten going like we knew both of yeah, them beforehand yeah, yeah. So you're the yeah. first person we've had on like though to be fair, to be fair <laughs> it's, it's still not like directly just because That's he was true. like it's a true. fan of the podcast no, it's, or something it's like a king of comedy situation he likes <laughs> i was introduced I, I was still introduced to the podcast <laughs> and i have been listening to the That's podcast true. for the better part of a year at this point <laughs> which we do appreciate yes very much big fan i'm always hyping you guys up <laughs> so this week we are talking about uh rango talking about rango rango uh, which we i think we've mentioned a couple times I for sure like, i feel like we've talked about not like in depth not in but depth, in depth no. but you have like referenced rango yeah. for sure I was about to say, we've seen it quite a few yeah, times. It's, at the it's something that, that all three of us here have seen a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's on my top four in Letterboxd. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, you know, I can respect, honestly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do we want to uh, get into the basic facts of what they need to know? Let's do it. Let's do it. Rango is a 2011 film rated PG. It's an hour and 47 minutes. Its little IMDb description is Rango is an ordinary chameleon who accidentally winds up in the town of Dirt, a lawless outpost in the Wild West in desperate need of a new sheriff. It's mm. <laughs> a pretty good description. It's a, yeah, pretty good description. Say, one of the better descriptions. Doesn't, doesn't catch the vibe, I don't think, but like that's excellent. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> its cast features Johnny Depp, Isla Fisher, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Abigail Breslin, Ned Betty, and Alfred Molina. Oh, yeah, and Bill Nye. 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 <laughs> I always forget how to pronounce his name. <laughs> uh, it is directed by Gore Verbinski, yeah. and it is written by John Logan. Um, who's the other screenwriter? Because it's John Logan, Gore Verbinski, and James Ward. Wow. <laughs> by... 
Oh. Byrkit? I have no idea. Birgit? <laughs> oh, no, guys. It's like B-Y-R-K. I don't know how you say that. Interesting. I-T. Anyway, the three of them wrote the screenplay. <laughs> Props to them, honestly. Uh, we've got we've got some other some other names that you might be some familiar other names. with. Hans Zimmer did the score. Of course. Um, Excellent. Roger Deakins did the cinematography. Like the best cinematographer <laughs> probably ever. It, it's a powerhouse crew and cast. Right. I'm trying to think oh, of anybody goodness. else. I say it every time. Uh, the choreographer from Pirates of the Caribbean did uh, did the choreography. You can for tell. This. <laughs> you can um, tell. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, I'm not sure there's anything else of like particular interest. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't I any don't know. awards or anything. Oh, yeah, okay. that's a good that's a good question. I was about to say, I feel like this had some Oscar traction back uh, when it came out, but I could be wrong. I, won, I was like, yes, it won one Oscar, it won Best Animated Film. Yes, has it Oscars. should. <laughs> I was about to say, I would have actually been a little surprised. I couldn't Oscars. remember. I would have been a little surprised if it hadn't won Best Animated I mean, what Feature. Was it, what was it even competing against? <laughs> right, that year? I don't know. I remember back when it came out, I was like, was, that oh, looks like a weird movie. Oh, wow. It had some... <laughs> Dang, it beat out Kung Fu Panda 2. I love Kung Fu Panda 2. Okay, but it should have beat out Kung okay. Fu Panda I, I agree. I, no, I think Kung Fu Panda 2 <laughs> I mean, better. both um, wonderful animals. But yeah, nominated, nominated that year was Kung Fu Panda 2, Puss in Boots, Rango, A Cat in Paris, Ooh, and okay. Chico and Rita. Chico and Rita. I really want to see Chico and Rita. I haven't I have not yet. seen Chico and Rita yet. <laughs> so yeah, it beat Chico and Rita and, and A Cat in Paris, <laughs> which were pretty, like... Well, they are both foreign, though. Yeah, they are foreign. So. That's to be expected, Micah. It's the Academy, <laughs> after all. Couldn't let foreign <laughs> films win. But you know, I'm I'm not I'm not upset about Rango winning Best Animated Feature. I'm not either. <laughs> but yeah, those are the basic facts about Rango. All right, let's get into what we thought of the movie. So we'll we'll start with we'll start with our with our guest here oh, to gosh. be to be polite. It's <laughs> a dangerous move. Uh, what are your thoughts? If you could briefly summarize, them. briefly summarize, uh, and and then put a, put a little rating as a cherry on top of that. Oh, yeah. uh, what are your brief thoughts on the movie Rango? Um, brief thoughts. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of it. It's in the top four of my letterboxed. Um, I. Definitely love the vibe. Grew up <laughs> loving westerns. Um, That's a big so, help. So I get so I get a lot of the jokes that they're going for and a lot of the references they're going for. Yeah. Um, so for as like a longtime fan of westerns and this being kind of like a meta western movie, big fan of that. Um, <laughs> I think the comedy in this is really up to snuff. Really like it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I probably don't like about it is how like it's not i wouldn't even call it like the pacing okay but it seems like a lot of like the emotion for a lot of the characters and situations like comes out of nowhere oh yeah like you go from a zero zero to a hundred which i (laughs) guess might be part of its charm but like i would say that might be like the weakest part for me anyways that's fair yeah Yeah. some of the like weird emotional beats are are kind of strange especially from the side characters especially from the side i would even say like like beans Oh like yeah, most of like most of her like I get that's like half the joke, but yeah. there's some moments I'm like, where are you coming from with this, yeah. sister? <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Um, I think it's well shot. 
Um, you don't see a lot Absolutely, of like man. gritty animated films. <laughs> yeah. Um, like th- I think the like the emotional journey of Rango is something that like I connect with, and I have like really um, yeah like connected with Rango on that journey a lot of times. I was shocked at how much that was like the case when I watched it the first time because it's yeah. such a kind of a strange like journey for for a main character in a kids yeah. movie especially. Especially in a kids <laughs> movie. It's like pretty existential for Exactly, yeah. for yeah. the audience, I think. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if I had to give it a rating, um I mean, it has to be five stars. I've rated it five stars every single time I've blogged it on Letterbox. I was about to say, I thought, I thought you were like contemplating it. I'm like, I didn't think there was anything. Like, I, I, there, there, I think I'll lower it to a four and a half this time. <laughs> like, no plot twist. Let's give it a let's give it a two. It's <laughs> no. a solid two. No, five out of five every single time. Very nice, very nice. All right, Ruby, what about you? What, what about think? me? I really enjoy Rango. Uh, if you can even believe it, I. <laughs> I didn't like it that much the first time I watched it. I, th- I just thought it was kind of strange, I think. Um, but it's been a while now. I this is I think uh, we watched it again like last night, and that was like my sixth time seeing it. <laughs> um, it has grown on me considerably since then. I feel like um, kind of similar to something like Scream almost. I hesitate to cite Scream because this is kind of a different... <laughs> it's meta in a different way. Um, but I feel like now that I'm more familiar with movies and their structure and the industry, that sort of thing, um, a lot of the meta narrative in Rango works a bit better for me. And the whole movie flows a bit better um, the more I watch it. Uh, and again, like it's incredibly well shot. Um, I love the vocal cast. Uh, I love just the general animation. Like it, it's still, I don't know, it still looks so good every time I revisit <laughs> it. I'm like, dang. Uh, but it, it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun, and it's a fun homage to westerns and just genre films in general. And I don't know, I really admire Gore Verbinski's direction and his dedication to making a, a solid animated movie, you know? <laughs> the fact that this is Nickelodeon is still funny to me. <laughs> it is crazy. Nickelodeon came out of nowhere with Nickelode- this one. <laughs> Nickelodeon has surprisingly produced some good movies. No, they got so good look at their man. track record. Yeah, they got a good catalog. <laughs> um, but for a rating, I actually bumped it up this past viewing. I ended up bumping it to a five. Uh, just because everything flowed so much better this time than it had previously. And I was about to say that. Right? The I just really respect The Adventures it. of Tintin as a Nickelodeon movie. Oh my movie. goodness. Um, Tintin. Also, mocap in this movie, very good. Very good. <laughs> it's a, it's a, oh my goodness, it's a great blend of character animation and mocap, like, yeah, it's together. Actually, well, it's okay, I guess I'll mention that but later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, really, I, I gave it a five. Uh, what did you think of Rango? Um, I've loved Rango. I've always loved Rango <laughs> since I first watched it. You were a bigger it. fan of it um, than I was before. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very cool movie, and I, again, like both of them said, I've always appreciated, especially the the way they like the direction they took the animation, the fact that it's a gorgeous like looking movie. The shots are for some reason impeccable. <laughs> um, well, it's because it's Roger. Deakins, I know right? yeah, it's Roger Deakins. That's the reason. Um, <laughs> the town is always very interesting to me. Dirt, I actually really yeah. like how kind of immersive the experience of being in the movie is because it really pulls you in a lot more than most especially animated kids movies (laughs) um yeah yeah but uh, again and as i've always thought i think the actual like you mentioned the emotion of the movie for me outside of rango himself the actual plot 
doesn't always work for me super well. I think it's a little poorly paced out. Um, and I think the conclusion could be quite a bit better than it is. Um, and there's something about the film, and, I, and again, I usually try and bring <laughs> it a bit more of a critical lens, especially when people are always like, like when my two guests on oh here, two gosh. other co-people on here are like, it's amazing and perfect. Um, I never claimed it was perfect. I know, but you're like five out of five. <laughs> I, I am claiming that it's perfect. <laughs> this movie has never fully, like, ever really clicked with me as something that I would give more than a four out of five. And that's oh, what I gave okay. it this time. I gave it a four out of five. It's just never really, it's good, but nothing about it has ever screamed great to me. It is good on all of the right things. It, it hits everything very, very well, but never elevates itself to something that I'm like, this is one of my favorite things. Mm. Okay. Um, there fair. is a lot of comedy. I absolutely adore in this. <laughs> And again, it's such a good screenplay. It's, it's just a it's really cool, creative <laughs> movie. Uh, again, I give it a four out of five. Very nice, very nice. All Rango fans. All Rango fans. All Rango fans. All we, need, we need somebody in here who just hates Rango. <laughs> we'll bring, we're just bringing like one guy for like two minutes. He gets to rant about the movie, and yeah. then we'll send him back. Good out. luck finding one. That's what I say. <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know anyone who like just downright hates Rango. I know some I, people who think it's kind of boring. I but. think. Like yeah. the most people, when I talk to them about Rango, it's always like, Rango, like, like the lizard movie. <laughs> right. like, well, one, it's a chameleon. Um. <laughs> no, yeah. it's a very, it's a very odd movie. It's a very unique movie within like, a like just kids movies in general. Yeah. From the very, oh, yeah. from the very like beginning of like aesthetics to again how existential it is. Um, it's very surreal and existential for like a lot of its runtime, which is just when it's not being a traditional Western, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is just unusual for, <laughs> for like, you know, a kid's movie. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know how this thing got pitched, man. <laughs> like, how did this get made? I don't even know. Um, I was actually doing some, some research into the production mm -hmm. of this cause I was very curious beforehand. Um, and Gore Verbinski, after the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, he wanted to do something a bit smaller, and somehow he got on the idea for this. Um, and he wanted to, if I understand correctly, he wanted to do kind of an independently funded movie. Nice. Um, and he wanted to kind of make his own thing and make it family entertainment that he would appreciate. Um but then they ran out of funding, mm. um, <laughs> and apparently Paramount and Nickelodeon stepped in, and nice. he was able to actually get it finished. But he kind of talked quite a bit about how um, it was kind of sad to him that there's not a whole lot of independent animation anymore, that you can't really, to compete with studios like Pixar and DreamWorks and stuff, you can't make a movie by yourself and, and i think that's a shame especially like with a movie like this like you would be hard pressed to make something unique like oh, this, especially today i think yeah yeah like, i think it's gotten worse, even more really. so than like 2011 <laughs> 2010 like you don't see a whole lot of deviation like you you're seeing a like pixar disney like they own it yeah you yeah know? like when you think animation you think of them i was about to say the closest i, I could never see disney making something like this i <laughs> oh, could no. maybe see dreamworks mm -hmm. getting something close to dreamworks, this but yeah dreamworks then, maybe yeah but even then it's just like it's an unusual animated film it's funny <laughs> in terms of like edginess in kids movies dreamworks actually did like puss in boots the last wish is a little is. more spicy than anything they've put I guess, out before yeah, that, 
That is like the closest. In what way? <laughs> well, just in like profanity like, and language. General well, there's language. That's language in Shrek, Remy. I know, I know. That, that was a different time. But I'm saying like, I don't think they would ever reach this level of like abrasive kind of movie making yeah. that you would get in lots, I was about to say there's lots of like death, drinking, <laughs> language. A lot, of, a lot of very like gross, photorealistic, like <laughs> just just gore and like weird wound infections, that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> Stuff you wouldn't typically see. My last see. <laughs> Good to know it's not contagious. Oh my gosh. It's hereditary. Uh, but I, yeah, I think one of the funniest things about this movie, especially with all of us having seen this so much, is when we were watching this last night, all of us were just quoting it. We could quote oh. this entire thing. And I think I think that is actually a big praise to what the movie is doing because the dialogue of this it's movie is really great. Quotable. And, like, and everything is like so slick. Yep. Like every time like Rango goes on like a monologue, every single one of his monologues, I think they're like so slick and well paced. Like yeah. um It's amazing. Like he, when he's like marching around the town in front of the hawk. <laughs> like like uh, I just I think or the or the Jenkins brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Jenkins brothers so Jenkins much. Brothers, that baby. story is so good. <laughs> it's so good. It is so good. <laughs> yeah, no, I and I said like I praise the screenplay. Really the dialogue is like one of the most standout things about this yeah. outside of like it's pretty smart like mm -hmm. kind of metatextual metaphor thing that it's going for it's dialogue is just phenomenal <laughs> right and i don't know if it was like if it was written with johnny depp in mind <laughs> but it but it definitely feels like rango is a part that johnny depp is like made for almost is well, like one of those witty yeah unconventional heroes and one of the things that kind of leads into that a lot, and I was going to mention this whenever we talked about the animation specifically, but <laughs> yeah. I, might, I don't know, this is a, good, a decent yeah, segue good to mentioning it. Um, the way they actually did the animation for this and the way they quote-unquote shot this was they had actors on sets. Yeah. Um, like Which actual, I didn't know actual for a sets, long time. Um, and filmed that to where they could get their performances the way they wanted to and like match their physicality and everything and with the animators. So, you know, a lot of... Rango's like physicality and movement and <laughs> which is great is Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, it comes from like the actors themselves. Like if you look up the behind the scenes, any videos of that, like, yeah, like ninety five percent of the movie was like done like on a set, <laughs> which yeah. is crazy. And then they animated it afterwards, so it's like they made the movie twice. <laughs> I was about to say Tintin is kind of produced that same way, I suppose. Well, Tintin, not, not to the Tintin same is a is a fully like mo yeah, it's a full mocap movie. This is I I forget what they called it i think there was a term they used for it like emo cap or something yeah like that. it's half it's pretty much like half mo -cap. Half mo -cap. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah no it's insanely cool i don't know of any other movies really that i've seen that use this kind of like technology or even just approach to animation yeah and like, cool. I, and like i said like the uh, one of the biggest things and and uh, Kaylor actually mentioned this when we were watching the movie uh, yesterday, was that, like I had just mentioned in our Zootopia episode <laughs> last week, uh, how sterile a lot of 3D animated movies are, especially just how like unlived in and flat and like simple the textures are. Yeah. This is like the opposite of that. Well, they're very, they're very visually... Um kind of like rounded off like very very plain very easy to understand animation in a lot of 3d animated movies nowadays yeah. rango 
it's shot with such a clarity that it doesn't matter that there's a lot of like texture. Uh, yeah, I was about to say sometimes sometimes it like you look at a character and it takes you a second to even identify what they are because yeah. they're just this bundle <laughs> of like fur and weird gross things. <laughs> and they, I love doing like right like super close-ups on some of the characters like the one um i don't know what he is he might be like a cat or something who um he, he's like got like a super long face he's got like oh, the oh yeah one. I think yeah I think, yeah i think he's, supposed he's like to a be cat like, right he wants a glass of water. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that guy i think he's supposed to be like a weasel or like something a weasel i don't know i don't think sure. i don't think any of them are like cats because that's okay. a predatory animal well, i feel like that's true i mean i feel like the like the the dark broody uh um, oh, um, with the with with the hat and the trench coat. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you might be right. And he's one of the ones that fight over the canteen of water. Exactly. Yeah, 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 that yeah. One. I think he might be a cat. I don't know. It's don't, weird. It's weird because, like, you know, you have your you have like foxes <laughs> and lizard characters. That's the true. same size. There is a fox and bunnies yeah, and like all of these different characters, like <laughs> about the same size, and yet you have like a really big <laughs> snake and a really big I was bird. About to say, the fact that the fox is fitting a chameleon for an outfit in this movie, <laughs> and they're uh, standing. <laughs> And a spider. It was a exactly. spider, a and fox, a and a chameleon. <laughs> it's funny. They all walk into a bar. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Quite literally. But yeah, no, there's this shot like um when Rango's walking into the bar. It's like a super close up on one of the characters. And like you can just kinda drink in all of the like environmental stuff and the lighting mm-hmm. and just the textures. It's no, the, beautiful. The character designs are super unique and really feel like because yeah. a lot of and I, and I hate to be super cynical <laughs> towards animation, but it's pretty easy to be cynical towards with the way it's run. But, like, yeah, the there is wrong, not a man. single Disney or Pixar movie where a character is not made to sell something. To sell a plush. Yeah. To exactly. sell a plush, to sell yeah. a backpack, to sell something. That yeah. is just Disney. And they yeah. can make great movies, but yeah. they continue the, to the make market of them is always a part of them. Whereas this, not a single character feels like they were made to sell anything. No. <laughs> you could not slap one of these characters. You could not give on this a, toy on a, to a child. On a plush, you know? <laughs> right. I would not give I would not give any of these characters to my children in a stuffed like form. They're too pointy, you know. Nightmares pointy. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's it's really and I, and I think that really benefits this movie and what it's going for because I think if this movie looked like a Pixar movie, it oh, would lose no. so much. It would lose of, a lot of its personality. Really. Yeah, it would. Of what it's going for. Yeah. And again, Pixar would lean probably away from a lot of its like kind of Western comedy grit that yeah. it's going for. It and, does have grit. And I think it also plays into like we were just able to like describe a character and we all knew exactly <laughs> what character that yeah. was. And I think that's like really like a big benefit to this movie like oh, every yeah. character has like that I was one little say, I don't think there's a single They're character so that looks similar yeah. even like, Rango as a chameleon has, has a like huge, the lopsided like, yeah. eyes and, and like, like the, the crooked, crooked neck. neck oh my gosh <laughs> all of the characters look like like lived characters yeah and like they're all just so identifiable when you go through like it's crazy man. I was watching the director's commentary for it oh nice a while ago and like that they said like they wanted the town of dirt especially to be like a movie by itself like you could take Rango out of it yeah. and you could just watch these people moving around and like you could create the story just by watching them. Yeah. And I think they do a really good job of that. Oh yeah. Every Absolutely. character like 
you just want to like dig into and they're so unique <laughs> and like they have their own personality and yeah and you can see that personality like on them yeah and i think that's awesome that's good character design and i was, I was about to say design. and and too like that's i think i think that's a strength of gore verbinski as a writer and director because mm-hmm. if you look at his other work one of the one of the best things that he does is balance an ensemble with their own personalities Absolutely, really well man um the, the pirates any, of the caribbean movies are entirely built movies. on that yeah, yeah. Um, so this is very much like a strong suit of Korverbinski, but it's taken to a very unique place that you don't usually see something like this just in an animated kids movie. Yeah, I was about to say because it's animated, because um, obviously Korverbinski has like proved he can direct a good like ensemble like action comedy genre film, you know. Yeah. But in animation, it it feels like a completely new thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> But uh, since we've just been kind of going for a bit, uh, oh, do we have do we have any questions to throw out? Because obviously there's one that we we will get to. Um, but I'm leaving it open. Do we have any questions? Oh gosh, I didn't have anything prepared. If, if we don't have anything, I'll just default to the <laughs> to, to the classic question the that classic everyone's question. unprepared for, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, let's do that then. Yeah. Okay. Let's sure. do it. What is your favorite scene or sequence? Scene or sequence. Scene or sequence. There's a lot of good ones in There's here. A lot of really good ones. <laughs> if if anything, Gore Verbinski knows how to direct a sequence, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. Um, I mean, heck, I'll I'll go first. Okay, if you guys. If you guys yeah, no, are still I'm thinking, still thinking. Because um, I kind of have it down right now. I have a couple. <laughs> I have a couple like favorite moments that mm-hmm. kind of build into my favorite scenes because. Typically in a scene for this movie, there's no scenes that there's typically like something that it kind of bothers me about most scenes in this, just okay. the pacing of the scenes typically, mm-hmm. um, and just, just various little things, not big things. Uh, but there are a couple scenes that I think are kind of like goofy, but kind of totally fit the stuff that I like. I think the entire sequence of, even though it's got cut in the middle, uh, the sequence of Rango walking into the bar in the for the bar. first time <laughs> to the end of the Jenkins brother explanation. That is really, really good. I love that that entire section. It's really funny, um, creative, great introductions to the characters and ideas and everything. Uh, and then I also really, for some reason, and this may just be because I think it's goofy <laughs> and fun, uh, but I really love the... Uh, the rattlesnake Jake stuff after he comes back. Mm. Any any rattlesnake Jake stuff after Rango comes back. Excellent. Um, it's so so good. Because one goodness. of my one of my least favorite parts of this movie is the fact that it's a liar reveal plot. I, I never like those, um, <laughs> especially with this one. Because like you said, it's weirdly like emotion like over the top emotional out of nowhere from our side cast yeah um so once once you get that kind of out of the way and you get to the spirit of like the, the true stuff, third act oh, yeah and yeah, then stuff, you come yeah. back <laughs> that stuff with rattlesnake jake i just really love <laughs> rattlesnake jake as a character actually scary even right, right? and his performance it's got like the sauron eyes is going crazy <laughs> with going that stupid out there. he's like brother <laughs> dude having uh, we watched this um like at home but we had the subwoofer like I had like a few feet away from me was the subwoofer and it was like booming (laughs) thirsty brother exactly I didn't know he had it in him his voice is booming I know he's got so much bass like a rasp to it so good but yeah those are probably my two like favorite moments in the movie I think those are good moments especially like in like the saloon sequence oh my goodness like it's like a almost a second introduction to Rango yeah or or even like the first because you don't know 
you never learn Rango's like real name. You well, know? I, honestly, I don't think I don't think he has one. Like he, I'm sure <laughs> he has one. A brand that, new pet. I'm sure, well, I'm sure he has one that like the humans <laughs> the gave to gave him. him. Yeah, but I don't think he would. From the way we hear humans talking a little bit, I don't think he would have understood like. Oh, I, the spirit of the West is different. I don't qualify him um, <laughs> because I don't think he would have really like taken that as like his name. Cause I don't think he had, I, I straight up just don't think he had a name that he like yeah, said was his yeah. name before he got Rango, which I guess is also part of it. Like, you know, he who, had, who am I? Exactly. He had um, no name. The guy, the, no the, the hero, people. the protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say Rango's identity crisis is really like the center of this movie for him anyway. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and I think, I, I don't know, I find that really compelling. It's, it's nice, I think. <laughs> um, if I had to pick a favorite scene, I would probably go with the finale it's just really mm. well staged um and again you get <laughs> rattlesnake jay <laughs> um and i know it's it's just really good and again the writing the dialogue mm. it's just so good immaculate i love how goofy his little uh gatling gun, oh, gatling gatling gun rattler is <laughs> oh my gosh that's that's just that's character <laughs> design <laughs> getting all the <laughs> ain't no hawk that bunch sequence, of <laughs> that that series of shots when he's shooting uh, like bullets up into the sky at the bats, it looks so cool. It is amazing. It, oh my god! <laughs> oh, it is excellent. It looks so so good, dude. I love all of the gun stuff in this. So <laughs> oh, much. I know the gun the fact play in this. I think is great. I was about to say Absolutely, the my the one thing that I wish there was more <laughs> of in this was guns. But you you know you can't have too many like absolute like just shootouts and stuff in this PG movie. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, what about you? I, I've been trying to narrow it down um, <laughs> between two shots, actually. Okay. Um, one is the canyon chase sequence. Ooh. I think that is just such a well-choreographed action sequence. It's amazing. Like, the balance between watching... I don't know how to describe it. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the inbreds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the inbred moles. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, like, watching, like, the father, like like direct all the fighting mm-hmm. done by the bats oh yeah and then like you cut back to like our motley crew <laughs> trying to deal with all of that yeah like you have spoons up there just like just doing silly dramatic i love spoons. western stuff spoons how he drops best. the gun yeah and everything else <laughs> or when rango falls on him or you like go or like even the small details like like you mentioned last night mm-hmm. with the owl Oh and, like, gosh. when he's getting punched, he's he getting just, like, turns his face. head 180. He turns his head all the way around. <laughs> and then just <laughs> hits him back. Um, um, I would, And then the other sequence, I would say, is the whole, like, the spiritual journey sequence. Mm-hmm. When he when he's kicked out of dirt by Rattlesnake Jake. Yeah. Like, the crossing the road and everything. Crossing the road, meeting the spirit of the West. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's I think good. that is, like, because I think that is really, like, the, the core of the movie. And I think that is where you see... Rango finally accept, like, this is who I am. Exactly, yeah. Like, you finally see him understand, like, it doesn't matter who you were, that you're nobody. It, it matters. It's the deeds that make the man. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, you get to decide who you are. Yeah, and I think that's excellent. what you do. <laughs> and I also like that insight that, that heaven is <laughs> defined by eating Pop-Tarts <laughs> with <your> Novak. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a great, uh, another great line. I actually think, again, I think that scene is very interesting in general. Mm-hmm. If we look at, like, because, again, you can grab quite a bit of meta-narrative from this. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that it's, like, 
Clint Eastwood. Yeah, it's with basically his, Clint Eastwood. With his movie awards and right. like everything and how that relates to kind of what I think this movie is saying about movie productions. Yeah. Um I think that's very interesting. Well, like a, you got like icon of old cinema driving around in a golf cart <laughs> as yeah, like your with this film award. Yeah. Like and I think that's like even part of it. Like yeah. cuz we've been we were saying all last night like this was trying to reintroduce the audience to westerns. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it was fitting that you kind of have Clint Eastwood dressed as the man with no name. Yeah. Like basically scavenging, like doing like <laughs> LA hobo things. Right. <laughs> and like I think that it's like a sign like like that's just trying to like describe the state of westerns. Like, yeah. Like at one point Clint Eastwood as the man with no name was the guy. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's just like the Marvel movies today. Like, <laughs> exactly. Every other movie was a Western. Yeah. And then now, like, <laughs> yeah, you have all of these awards, but like, what is it? Leave nobody with, nobody uh, even remembers they exist. A, a sardine can of fish hooks. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what you got. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I was kind of blown away, honestly, um, at how rich a lot of the environmental stuff is. Mm. A lot of the um, just general, like, you can see the, like, water metaphor working in a lot of different ways. Like, just in general, like, you could read it as a pretty plain funding thing for movie productions. Yeah, I mean, you could um, take this entire yeah. thing and pretty clearly, especially from interviews I've seen from <laughs> Gore Verbinski around this, and pretty clearly see it as, like, him thinking that the movie industry has grown to the point where whoever has the money in the movie industry, the different studios, are deciding completely what films exactly, are. Exactly, yeah. They are deciding everything and about I think the it, films. It's they, even like um, like when you walk in on the mayor and he's like, look at him, so desperate for water, they'll follow it anywhere. Right, yeah. And I think you see that a lot, like, in a pretty sad sense. Like, oh, yeah. You see the movies, like, Illumination, what they're doing oh, right gosh. now, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> kind of how all of the Pixar movies are starting to look mm-hmm. pretty much exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Disney movies are starting to look exactly the same. Like, and I think that shows like they're willing to give out the water to you, but you need to <laughs> you need to meet them and like produce the movie that they yeah. want, was, not not the movie that needs to be made. I was yeah. about to say a big part of Gore Verbinski's career, um, and even this movie has been trying to <laughs> restore genres that have been like that have died. Yeah, dead genres. Um, yeah, and like. You can very clearly see that with, like, Westerns. He did this and... Uh, why did I just lose the name of it? Uh, um, Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. Um, and, like, he he's always tried to... And, and you could see his, like, disappointment in the fact that you couldn't... You couldn't go through a normal studio and get this made. Because they, <laughs> yeah. would, they would say it's not the genre of the time. It's not, you know, merch approved. Oh it's not gosh. all of these yeah. different things that the studio would control over. Yeah. Um, and you can even see it. And I guarantee a lot of that disappointment comes from working on the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> because I don't know if you guys know a lot about the Pirates of the Caribbean productions. I do. I, I was very interested and I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and producing by, anything with by Disney. The, by the third film, it was not what he wanted it to be. Yeah. Disney, oh, and Disney you can definitely see that shift. I was about oh, to say, yeah. Disney <laughs> turned it into something completely different. They wouldn't even let him include... Um, it was one of the biggest scenes. He was so mad at it. It was one of his like key moments in the trilogy that he had planned mm-hmm. was how Jack Sparrow became labeled as a pirate in the first place was that the East India Trading Company was having him move slaves and he wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And they that's, cut, they that's cut, like a vital part of his character. <laughs> they cut that out because Disney thought it was too critical of like the British Empire. <laughs> 
Oh my god. The gosh. British em- <laughs> 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 The British Empire <laughs> fell like 90 years before that movie but, came out. But that's just kind of evident of what Disney like and I guarantee gosh. he was very upset by that because Disney I took would be. and I mean yeah. he wasn't he wasn't involved really at all except for getting money from 4 and 5 for Pirates of the Caribbean and I guarantee he wasn't happy with those at all. They're completely oh, no. different. They've, if you look at Curse of the Black Pearl versus the last two Pirates of the Caribbean oh movies. They're it's night and day. day. Yeah. yeah, they're completely different. He was trying to revive a genre, and Disney took it somewhere completely different. Oh, took it somewhere wrong. <laughs> um, so I guarantee a lot of that kind of disappointment went into Rango, because this yeah. was like the next thing he worked on. Yeah. No, it, it, I honestly would have been like shocked if it wasn't the next thing he worked on, because it feels so like... I, I don't want to say, like, outright spiteful, but it does <laughs> yeah. feel at least angry at, like, um, just generally the state of movies and, like, I you know, the whole thing is set. I was about to say, if you read in it. In the desert. And if like, you read it like yeah. that reading, it yeah. is an inherently angry film at I was studios. About to say, it really is. <laughs> they, dra- they drag the, like, evil studio head guy away to die. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> But yeah, no, it's I reading it that way is honestly what pushed it to a five for me, because I think that narrative, I find it very compelling, um, even outside of just the traditional Western narrative that it's telling Mm -hmm. and Rango's personal narrative. I find that meta narrative very compelling when I'm watching it. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what pushed it over the edge. Yeah, I figured since we talked about that and you came to your big realization. I was like, oh, my gosh, how did I not realize this? Yeah. Uh, to gasp, the, <laughs> this movie has a metaphor, Rabbi. The movie all about how it's a metaphor. <laughs> I know. Like, literally, like, they say, like, directly into the camera a couple of times, like, it's a metaphor. Exactly. Um, Dr. Marx does. Dr. Marx. <laughs> the, the roadkill does. Yeah. Rango even does at one point. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's actually, it's very interesting too, because you can have that reading of the overall sense of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that makes Rango a very interesting character because Absolutely. you have this reading of like, um, kind of studios controlling the output of movies and genres being essentially killed off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because studios don't think they're viable anymore. And, and then you have Rango. <laughs> A very interesting <laughs> protagonist to live in that kind of metaphor world, a character who does not know who he is, who does not have a, a, essentially a creative voice. Well, yeah. I, always, I don't know. I, I read it initially as um, just audiences being kind of unacquainted with what they want, like kind of lost in a modern yeah. like yeah. state of movies, because there's just... It's all kind of blurred together, you know? Yeah, and the more, the more we've gone on into the kind of filmmaking that's made now, it is very much... It's it's a lot harder to track something like this is the movie trend at the time. This yeah, is the yeah. this is the artistic trend at the time because everything is just kind of a blend of constant well, new. And I mean, and Rango is familiar with stories like yeah. an audience member would be, but he's he's only familiar with them in a very archetypal, like very simplistic light. Yeah, and I think it like it's very like we talked about this last night too, like the. Uh, how Rango does understand the situation that he's in. Like, he mm-hmm. understands movies. Exactly. Like, he has seen many movies. He's a student of <laughs> drama in the movies. Exactly. Like, he's supposed to be, like, a student of film. Yeah. So, And that's how he can adopt the Rango character so quickly. Yes. Because he understands 
Western. what the what the guy, the hero, the protagonist is supposed to be. Exactly, yeah. But he has no idea how to be that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. So I, so I think it's interesting, like, he is the audience surrogate, but he's supposed to be, like, an experienced audience surrogate. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think an interesting an interesting thing. I, I'll just throw this in here because I because <laughs> I thought it, it was just throw it because I thought it was interesting, <laughs> uh, and I don't really have a decent time to throw it in otherwise. Right. Um, but I think it's interesting too because uh, it's not directly based off of this. I don't think, but there was a show in the '60s called Rango, a western uh, starring Tim Conway, where oh, he played. Wow. Um, he played kind of like an incompetent, goofy sheriff who he goes to this town, and then because he goes to this town, it actually ends up bringing more trouble to yeah. the town. <laughs> so very, very yeah, Rango. I need to that down. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm sure there was inspiration drawn from that. But I guess sure. that's more of just like a fun fact. That's I, that's neat. Not really a. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's also like, it, like it's obvious that. The creative team behind this was very, very familiar with the Western genre. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. there are so many there are small references nods. to specific, yeah, was yeah, like to just... very specific movies. Like, mm-hmm. and some of them kind of niche movies, like or even niche series, like like Rango. Yeah, like, the, the, like you wouldn't know that unless you like knew <laughs> you knew Western series. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. and again. Gore Verbinski, I think, just loves genre films. I think yeah. he loves them to death. <laughs> yeah. Um, because <laughs> he like it, you can tell in like in Pirates of the Caribbean and The Lone Ranger and Rango and all of his stuff like they are just in love with the tropes of that genre yeah. <laughs> and the movies that came previously in that genre. Which again, I I think Scream is a pretty decent comparison. Again, it's a different kind of kind of like meta genre film, but it features characters again that are kind of familiar with the tropes of the genre. Um, but see, Rango, like Rango doesn't like deconstruct it the way Scream deconstructs like slashers, you know. So it's no. it's slightly different. But yeah. yeah, I was about to say I don't I don't know if there's much comparison no, to Scream outside of they are they the meta. I was about to say meta. It's completely different meta. It's a different <laughs> flavor of meta. Because I just really admire it. <laughs> in Rango, like it's like they realize the tropes. Mm-hmm. And then they double and down. And they on do them. Robbie, yeah. Robbie, not bring up Scream in a podcast episode challenge. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I put Scream Level in my expert. top four. I put Scream. In I my mean, top Scream's four Robbie. Scream's one of my it's favorite so, so movies good. of all time. It's like my favorite horror movie. <laughs> but it is funny how much you're like, it's like Scream, it's like Scream. when it's not Wait, like Scream. <laughs> did you mention Scream in the last podcast? I'm pretty sure he did. Zootopia. I, I, the Zootopia. I think he mentions it almost every <laughs> every episode. He just is like, it's like Scream, all and I'm like, Robbie, that's not. It's not like it's just like scream for real. <laughs> uh, nice. But do we have do we have another question though? Um, I suppose so. You suppose so. So you have a question, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just gonna ask like what you guys uh, generally thought of like we mentioned kind of the flow of the movie. I was gonna say what did you what did you guys mm-hmm. think of the general like plot pacing, pacing, the emotional pacing, that sort of thing. So, kind of like what I said in my my general overview of the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I like the pacing of the movie, like, on a larger scale. Yeah, I'm never bored. The macro pacing of it. Um, Because, like, it's like you look up and the movie's over. Like, you never have a chance to, like, sit down. I think 
this movie in some places could have benefited from a little bit of breathing room. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the relationships are underdeveloped, like Rango and Beans. Beans. Like, I think yeah. Beans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think like that relationship could have been more impactful, and I think it actually would have helped the story a little bit to have that be a bit more impactful. Um, but by and large, like it's like constant, nonstop. Like you're going, you're going, you're going, and it's done. Yeah. Um, but I think something I admire. Yeah, typically something I admire. I think this could done with a little bit of breathing room. But I think on, I think the biggest pacing issue is at like the micro level, where like even within a line of dialogue, like they'll go from and and beans is like the person <laughs> I'm thinking of whenever this happens. But like, and I know it's part of the charm. Yeah. But even at other points, like it feels like they'll say something and then like immediately transition into like a different train of thought. Yeah. No, um, I get that. You get I kind of a whiplash. You and... get kind of a whiplash effect. And I, I don't really like at that smaller level, but I think at some points like it can be counted as part of the charm of the character. Yeah. So I think it works sometimes. Interesting. Yeah. What about you, Micah? Do you have any, so any thoughts you'd like pace, to share? <laughs> the pacing and the structure of this are probably one of my like, least favorite parts of the movie it's yeah. still not inherently bad no that was the thing means. i didn't like about it back when um, i first watched it i was like this is weird <laughs> but it's it's mainly i think i think the first half of this movie is paced pretty much perfectly yeah um i think it's really in the second half where again they kind of it kind After of feels the posse a little thing yeah it kind mm-hmm. of feels a little yeah. like rushed because with the posse you kind of come to a bit of a, like a standstill and then you kind of get in so it's a good pause moment well they and sprinkle you, in like some mystery i was about to say there's there's some good fun there's sequences. good things to keep you like rolling with the yeah. plot. You're mm-hmm. still into it. There's still things happening. Um, but at a certain point, it goes a little too fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. About when they get back from the town with the like with the um, the dad and the two yeah, yeah. to take them in. Like that entire section is just really weirdly paced out. I would cite um, that like um, when they come up and like start rioting and everything. I would cite that as honestly like one of the worst scenes in the movie. And it's not even bad, really. Yeah. Um, but like it, it does kind of feel like there's like something missing there at and that then, point in the movie. And then it kind of gets a little rushed and like the moment stuff is going on with Rango rather than Rattlesnake Jake, then it's immediately <laughs> like, oh, he lied. Then yeah. Everybody's like, oh, oh, yeah. and then, oh, and then they like, speed right through like, it. Like it just, it just goes. And yeah. I think, and, and while I'm, I'm glad that this movie is not the <laughs> kind of like movie super drawn out. that's like yeah. super melodramatic and like spends like the entire time being like all the characters feel extremely betrayed and like they're like forever mad at him because that just isn't the kind of relationship he had with these people right. or the kind of yeah. movie that this is. Yeah. Um, that would have been so weird. So it would have been, but it, it feels like just oddly paced out on a scene to scene level. I would almost say like on that vein, like that's mm-hmm. what I was saying, like it needs a little bit more breathing room at places. Yeah. Like, I think, <laughs> no, nah, I might be biased in this because I love Rango. <laughs> like if this was a two hour film, like, or maybe like an hour, even an hour 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it just needs like ten to fifteen more minutes yeah. to like allow a scene to like rest. No, I, agree, I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, and then like I don't know. There's just some weird. There's weird stuff in the structure of this film. I think I think a lot of ideas are presented in a way like kind of haphazardly um, in terms of 
different reveals, even with like the mayor's plan and everything. Oh, it's like yeah. weirdly sprinkled in there, pacing wise. I guess. And so. there's just there's just a lot you of get a lot, you get a lot of information at once instead yeah. of like a slow spread when yeah. it comes to the mysteries. So it doesn't feel quite as satisfying when you like figure it out. Yeah, a yeah. lot of a lot of the pacing problems I think do, for me come down to the fact that you feel like you have a good amount of natural time to get into the world mm. at first mm-hmm. and then get presented the mysteries. But by the time any of the mystery solving or reveal <laughs> come to happen it's just going fast yeah it's yeah. just going through everything i'm imagining quickly. i'm imagining like rango in like a sherlock holmes hat with a magnifying glass now we keep saying mystery <laughs> 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 It's it's a twist villain movie. Twist villain, oh, kind of. Oh boy. If you're if you're a Western fan, it is not a twist villain. <laughs> I don't know if you have like eyeballs. It's not a twist villain. He's like, mm, whoever know. controls the water controls everything. That could have meant anything. <laughs> very. He says everything very like slowly and evilly. Very evil. Yeah, dude. That shot. Um, when we first are introduced to the, I don't remember his name, but the turtle, the mayor, the mayor. yeah, the mayor. I don't know if they, I think he's always like I was about to say to as just the, the mayor. mayor. Yeah, um, but with that shot when he's first oh, with introduced the with the water droplet, Oof. <laughs> that's the craziest thing I've ever seen, man. I love, yes, I love, and Ravi too. The film is telling you that it's not a good thing that he's going to see the mayor when he's sitting in the lobby with the two guns. Oh with the <laughs> with the guns pointed at him. When they say be careful, and then it hard cuts to. I was about to say it's. It's not a very it's not a very twist twist i know, I know. <laughs> it is great though man like uh, basically any shot from this movie has so much like it's such a nice composition because it's roger deakins and it has so much like beautiful like imagery and just general look to it it, it looks like a western but it also doesn't look stale or flat or anything and i think it's because they so expertly like captured that part of the country yeah like they somehow made the mojave desert look amazing <laughs> they made it look good and, and not I, just a, like... as someone who has lived in the mojave desert like <laughs> for weeks at a time yeah. i'm gonna tell you that it, do, it doesn't feel like that whenever you're there <laughs> um yeah but like they have done such a good job of like like especially like after the exile mm. sequence like where he's like walking on the sand dunes yeah. and then and then even after the Spirit of the that West, where you catch beautiful. the catch the clouds going across like mm-hmm. the salt flats. Oh my gosh, it's it's, next, it's breathtaking. Next man. time you go to the Mojave Desert, you need to watch Rango while you're out there. Oh, I did the last oh, time. Yeah. Watched on the bus out there, and then I was like, then I really connected spiritually with the line like, "My teeth are chapped." <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the, the general you really you really get into the it's an immersive experience. You feel really as dry like, as I, Rango. <laughs> yeah, definitely, I took it, I, I counted as like a pilgrimage really out to the Mojave um, to connect more with Rango. Like that's, that's what it was for me. Nice, <laughs> but yeah, just the the general use of um, lighting and color here mm-hmm. is amazing because I like during the last um, like big dramatic sequence yeah. um, when he's coming back, like he's returned from his journey. Um, I noticed how desaturated a lot of the stuff is compared to like some of the other points in the mm-hmm. movie. And the it's way they, very gray. I was about to say the way they play with the color um, at times is, is very interesting because it, it, the movie is kind of desaturated sometimes, but then also like 
you'll get shots with like well, the Rango more, in the, the mud more, and everything. The more <laughs> Western E like it gets, the more orange. colorful it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's um it's pretty cool. It's a cool way to approach color in a in an animated film when you can yeah. completely control it. I was yeah. about to say it's very interesting too because on a lighting level um, I think I think this movie is very impressive because a lot of a lot of 3D animated movies, especially um, because they have complete complete control over lighting mm-hmm. and can just like make everything visible. <laughs> yeah, you can just throw a light wherever and you don't have to worry about it. A lot of a lot of movies they'll have like a lot of animated movies will have good lighting, like you can yeah. see everything. Well, it's they not, have to be. It's a not a it's not a live action situation yeah. anymore where you can't see There's anything because people yeah. just aren't lighting anything anymore. Well, they are lighting, um, just not very dynamically, Mike. <laughs> but well, <laughs> I was about to say that the lighting in this is extremely dynamic. Oh, like, yeah. like there's there's certain moments that, like, uh, specifically that I noticed, um, like when they're out in the desert at mm-hmm. night, it really looks like mm-hmm. the lighting of when you're out in the desert <laughs> yeah. at night. Like, yeah. it looks that kind of dynamic. Like, you can feel the physical space of the the open sky mm-hmm. and the moon reflecting down know, onto the such sand. A good job. And like, you can just the you way can they capture feel, perspective. Is you really can feel the perspective of the yeah. lighting, and that and that kind of runs throughout there's not a moment where the lighting just feels like it's kind of just there yeah yeah. um i think another good like moment of that is where like when rango initially enters dirt Mm -hmm. like you have that bright like desert feel like it just feels blinding i love how bright that is like overexpose the desert and then it cuts almost immediately into the saloon Mm -hmm. where it's like dark (laughs) with like shots of light coming in through the wood slats and i think that it's like such a good contrast and oh, i yeah. think even within the saloon like you see the beams of light coming through where like some of the stuff is hidden mm-hmm. but like to like give it but like you can still see like the eyes it's, coming out yeah i, I think, think i just think it's done so well right i there. think it's very interesting that's too, one of the coolest because i think they play with relative light a lot too because mm-hmm. you're right like when when he first comes into the desert it's a lot more overexposed mm-hmm. yeah. and then when he first walks into the saloon it's very very dark but later, when it comes back, when he's talking about the Jenkins brothers, I think honestly, I, I, I couldn't tell you, but I'm pretty sure it's a little brighter. Oh, I think it's the saloon. It's absolutely. Absolute it's not brighter. as dark as when he first came in. Like like his yeah. eyes adjusted to the saloon lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is again, it's very cool how they play around with dynamic lighting, dynamic color, a lot of stuff, and again, that that a lot of movies, especially 3D animated <laughs> movies, just don't really do no, a lot. They don't. Yeah, no, um, I think actually I was reading Yossi's review, um, which again, if you're familiar with our podcast guests, you know who he is. (laughs) Um, But he had mentioned that Gore Verbinski could have like directed this and shot it and basically any way he wanted, but he shoots it like he has to occupy the actual physical space that the camera's in. He he worded it like this. He said, one of the most interesting things about this movie is that even though Gore now has limitless options for (laughs) where to put and how to put the camera, he still shoots this thing like a real movie. Grounded camera work, more interesting in framing and lighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you get a lot of very classical, uh, like, cinematography, but it all feels very modern and intentional it's it's nice i think it, which it, again cool way to shoot a, a movie like this oh, i think it's so cool <laughs> yeah um I, I there's this one shot i don't know if anyone else saw it but um there's this shot of spoons during the canyon chase sequence like right as it's getting going oh. where he mounts on like the little bird thing i don't remember what it is no it's, it's a road, road runner road runner right right yeah, yeah. um he gets on top of it and he starts running <laughs> and like the camera like is dollying next to him 
um, dollying in quotes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's um, they have like a dolly zoom, like uh, like in Jaws or Vertigo or whatever, mm-hmm. where the horizon like slowly closes in as the shot is like getting subtly like faster and closer. It's a great like oh, visual ramp up to that sequence, mm-hmm. and I was like. What what animated movies doing it like this? You know, I was like, Brad Bird's the only other like animation director I've seen do like a dolly zoom in his movie and have it like work so well. It's crazy. So it's a movie with class. Shout out to Brad Bird. Bird. Shout out to Brad. I would say I would say that Brad Bird and Gore Verbinski are surprisingly similar filmmakers in in tone and like Mm -hmm. style. Yeah, Yeah. I would tend to agree. Even um, Brad Bird's live action work feels like not quite as wacky as a Gore Verbinski movie can feel sometimes but just as kind of like genre obsessed as he is yeah like something like Tomorrowland is like a yeah. it's like a bad version of a Gore Verbinski movie <laughs> <laughs> so to say poor poor Brad Bird poor is Brad just, Bird, is just not subtle that's his, that's his <laughs> big issue got no subtlety he's got zero subtlety <laughs> I mean Gore Verbinski is not exactly subtle I, th- I think <laughs> well, it's, I, I think it's when he chooses to not be subtle I I'm, think, gonna, I'm gonna I be honest that's it. I'm gonna be honest I think Rango <laughs> is a more subtle movie than like 90% of Brad Bird's works <laughs> it is it is and even then they're like staring into the camera telling you about the movie. I was about to say, Brad Bird movies always lay out exactly what they're about and exactly what they're supposed to mean. Right. Uh, That's fair enough. But yeah, man. Rango. Mm. What a picture. What a film. What a a movie. What a little ditty. (laughs) A little little ditty I like to call Rango. Uh, Do we have any more questions? Do you have a question, Kayla? Um, Small question, because I know we're starting to get kind of deep into it. Um, What do we think about the score? The score. Mm. We didn't even talk about. We, the score. we haven't discussed the score oh my once. Love the What's score. What's wrong with us? <laughs> it's like it's like a half musical. This movie. It has musical <laughs> punctuation at the very. Rango end. does sing at one point. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Rango is singing. There's music. It's a musical. It's a. Music. It's not a musical. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Uh, but no, I really like the I like the score for this. I think it's a very unique flavor of Hans Zimmer. Uh, oh yeah, because Hans Zimmer does not normally like sound like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a very a lot cool, more guitars. Than I was about to usual. say it's a very yeah. cool pairing of like a very very Western sounding thing with a very modern kind of rock influenced kind yeah. of mix. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of like hearing uh, Toto do the score for Dune. <laughs> in terms of like it's it's Wait, a weird in Lynch's Dune in Lynch's Toto? Dune it's Toto oh my gosh um, I gotta like, see this it's like a very then. weird unique sounding score that fully fits the genre but is not quite <laughs> something like anything else you've heard <laughs> interesting yeah now there's a there's a real um, I don't know there's a real nice dramatic flair to a lot of the score and a nice like clean sound to it I, again, there's some flourishes in this that reminded me of Dune's score in in a very in a very like you know I, I j- probably just because I knew it was Hans Zimmer is the reason it came to mind. But. I was about to say you could do that with a lot of Hans Zimmer. Yeah, scores. I was about yeah. to say the way the way it is scored. There's a lot of like nice flourishes and stuff, and a lot of smaller musical moments that punctuate stuff more than like a continuous score. So, really, the only time we get like any bombastic score moments are during the action sequences and everything otherwise you'll get like a guitar riff here and like you know just a little like like a percussion flourish yeah a little little, like a little flourish a little taste of horns a little taste of horns exactly (laughs) but also i think it really i i want to mention this i think i really love like just kind of the pacing 
favor and like flair that having kind of narrators gives to this movie. Mm. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's the mariachi band. It, yeah, like, it, like <laughs> not the choice I probably would have chosen, but it works so well, right? Like they're just like singing the ballad of Rango, <laughs> and he's going to die. Right. <laughs> I was about to say. I think for I think for a kid watching it the first time, uh, you get a very cool sense of like urgency and then subversion of the fact that he doesn't die. Yeah, right. yeah I know. Um, but also, I think they just really help kind of fit into the vibe of this weird like a meadow western. Yeah. Um, no, they're a good a good addition and help just kind of. Make sure you're never too, like, flat on what's happening. If I was a kid watching this, which I watched this when I was, like, relatively yeah, we young. we watched this pretty young. I yeah. mean, it came out in, like, 2011, and we yeah. watched it. I was like, in, like, my teens when I watched it, essentially. My young, young teens. Young teens, yeah. Um, but I was, like, if I was any younger, I would probably be a little lost without the mariachi band. Like, by the middle point where I would have been like, uh, wait, wait, what's going on again? I was going to say, again? for a kid, it's actually kind of it's, a confusing plot. I was about to say, because they don't show a lot of the stuff that they're, like... <laughs> We're experiencing a paradigm, paradigm shift. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, mariachi band is a great way to, like... For the, any younger viewers, like, kind of remind you what's going on. I was about to say, because the plot kind the of trails off weird. Because you've got, like, the conspiracy with the water, with the mayor. Water but conspiracy. then you also have the fact that they're trying to rob the water. Mm-hmm. They go after the crooks. But then they find <laughs> then they find that the crooks don't have the water. But then they also have the big chase sequence. And then they finally get back. And they realize that they had stolen the water from somebody before that. Exactly. And, like, it's it's there's a lot going on. Oh, there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's and not that crazy in theory, but it's nice to like have the narrators there. To it is nice you. to have them there, and I, and I think they fit into the story very well. I think mm-hmm. they're like used as characters in the story, <laughs> like yeah, the way that Rango might be the only person that notices them. I can't tell. <laughs> like, I, I think I think they all look. I think they all look that direction anyway, uh, like towards them when they're like, we ride. Oh, and then yeah, that means we're riding now at this moment. <laughs> they all like everybody looks that direction, but that doesn't inherently mean that they see him. It could just be Rango's looking that direction yeah, and yeah. saying something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the idea that it's. Um, like an invention of Rango's mind. I was about nice. to say because they don't really make sense to actually be a real character. <laughs> no. Because I, one for like his sense of grandeur, exactly, yeah. and like it's like his story. You it's know? a good manifestation. Or when they're, or when that, they're yeah. like hanging in the nooses singing oh, the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's such a great visual. There's so that many is. great, just like iconic visuals in this. Like you can pull um, again. The character designs are part of that. Um, but the production design and lighting and just the generally like the way it's shot, there's obviously a lot of homages to a lot of other movies, um, but it the iconography of Rango feels very wholly original and nice. Yes. Yeah. You can like, pull you could pull up just like any of the side characters or any of the props and I'd be like, Yeah, it's Rango. Yeah, you know? I mean that's Rango. Like you like you could spot it immediately. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. You could give me any shot from that film and I would be able to boom, that's Rango. <laughs> right. I mean it's just again, so unique. Yeah, when, which I don't know. A lot of animated films have that just because they have to design everything from yeah. scratch. But Rango feels special. But I think, I think Rango is special because mm-hmm. a lot of these shots like come from other movies. Like, exactly. Like yeah. whenever Rango's coming back to dirt and mm-hmm. like you see him walking through the noose <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, that's this. And then like exactly. you see like the scene of him telling Beans to put the gun back down when mm-hmm. all the citizens are coming to the jail. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's that's Wyatt Earp. Like, <laughs> Like, like it's yeah. so recognizable as like homages to other films, but like you, it still has such a sense of identity. 
yeah, with each shot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, again, I I hesitate to compare it to Scream, but Scream has a, so <laughs> many um, like horror movie references throughout it, but it feels wholly original and yeah. like singular in its own way. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! It's just like Scream. Robbie's gonna be watching like the Muppets movie, and since they're vaguely meta, he's gonna be like, "Oh, it's like Scream, it's like Scream man! It's like it's Scream!" Awesome. Because they're they're referencing that the movies have trust. Oh my gosh! Let me have this. Uh, should have never should have never watched Scream. Like like, had you tried to dissect Scream, it was a big mistake. Because now it's all over. It's like it's like the I don't know, man. You've never you've never been very good at reading meta movies. And now no. that you have a reading of Scream, I think you're even like, last night, you, <laughs> at the very end, you compared you compared Babylon to this, and I was like, okay, and I was like, that's, Any, that's anything, when we started saying like everything looked to Rango for inspiration. <laughs> it's now a qualifier to make a movie is to watch Rango. <laughs> I was about to say, Robbie, you need to you need to get deeper into your film studies okay. so you're not comparing everything vaguely meta to itself. <laughs> I said that a shot looked like Babylon. I didn't say it was like Babylon. Michael was, Michael I was, was making alive. jokes about that. <laughs> it's funny, though. Uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that shot did that the shot was like I mean that framed was like a Babylon exactly shot. Like Babylon shot. Okay. I'm not crazy. You're not I'm crazy. Like, hold on. You're now. not crazy. It was just funny. You got <laughs> Scream and Babylon. They're just like Rango. <laughs> It'd be really funny if like you just watch any movie, you start comparing it to either a Damien Chazelle movie or Scream. It's one of the two. <laughs> That's how my brain works. Uh, um, yeah. Rango. 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 Uh, do we have any? Do we have any other? Yeah, any we other want to bring up any other elements of the movie that we feel we may have breezed over? I f- I feel pretty like well set, and we, I I've said pretty much everything. Yeah, I mean, say talk about the story. Yeah, animation score. Yeah, pacing. Yeah, I was about to say. Really, the only problem problem that I have with it is in its pacing, <laughs> and that just kind of makes it to where it's something that's never really connected with me. Yeah, so I've never I've hard. never really been one to like. Oftentimes, like, my ratings will be off of, like, how much a movie connects with me as well as how good I think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I think this one's really good, you know, a four is a good rating. <laughs> yeah, it's never really, really It's never yeah. really connected with me as something to give beyond that, despite the fact that I think it's really fun. For me, it was always, like, the pacing doesn't detract from the story. Yeah. But I think better pacing could definitely elevate it. I'm going to be honest. I'm like, hmm, let's strike this from the record. I'm like, I'd probably give it like a four and a half, really and truly, right, right. like just because of the pacing. I was going like, to say, if you're, really, it, if you're really... I think there is room deep. to go, but um, for nostalgic reasons, I'm going to keep the five. I was about to say, honestly, I don't think... I, see, like... I think a five is a fine like rating if you feel like giving it a five like because yeah. the f- difference between a four and a half and a five for me is usually just how much I love Preference. a film yeah. yeah because I don't think there's any like truly truly perfect films there are some <laughs> films that I'm like that's pretty much perfect I wouldn't change a thing yeah but like even then there's nothing there's like no such thing as a perfect piece of art no so you know if you think it's like really really technically great and also you love it a ton <laughs> yeah then like yeah give it a five that's, that's why I set my like the way I do like my ratings on Letterboxd is like I give three stars for like technical ability, mm-hmm. like the way that it was made. Yeah. And then I give a star for if I enjoyed it. And then <laughs> I give a star for if I think this is important. Yeah. yeah. And so I think like Rango, well made, three stars right there. Boom. Yeah. I really enjoy it. <laughs> so there's a star right there. Yeah. And then I do think that this is kind of important. I think it's like something that definitely gives a nod to um, 
westerns as a whole. Yeah. And it really sums up like the western genre in like an hour forty five minutes. <laughs> right. And then, um, I also think that it is such a unique thing in like the last fifteen years. Like, oh yeah. Like you if, don't get to see a whole lot of unique. If you animation. care, if you care about like movies and animated movies or just generally movie production this is an important movie well, I think. not only that i think it's interesting and this may be kind of goofy to say because i guarantee <laughs> it wasn't like a rango single-handedly doing this but if you recall around the early 2010s which is when this mm. came out i can't think of any that came out before rango no um, but like you had then his Lone Ranger. You had the remake of Magnificent Seven. You, get, you had um, Tarantino's Django Unchained. Three Ten to Yuma. You had Three Ten to Yuma. Yeah. There was a Western resurgence. <laughs> there, there really was a brief little one. <laughs> we'll say we'll say it was because of Rango. I, <laughs> I agree. Good was, job, Gore It was a brief little <laughs> resurgence. I think it would be more uh, like realistically because of Lone Ranger, mm. um, because that movie had some commercial success. Yeah. Um, Man, Three Ten to Yuma is so good. But like you had. <laughs> Right around that time, a little cultural, which, which to be fair, never happened with the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. No. You had no other pirate movies coming no. out around Pirates of the Caribbean. You definitely had a lot of westerns. But around Rango and Lone westerns Ranger, westerns are so cheap. I was about to say around <laughs> Rango and Lone Ranger, Magnificent Seven, Django and Chain, yeah. Three Ten to Yuma, a ton of western remakes and stuff. Even Buster Scruggs and like, yeah, that that's was, a lot more recent. That's I know, but recent. that yeah. was still in the 2010s. Like throughout the 2010s, pretty consistently, there were just a lot more westerns. That than yeah. the 2000s yeah. yeah for sure absolutely it's cool i i don't know i love i love the western genre and its tropes and rango loves yeah. it a lot too so because <laughs> like the very first move like movie was like a western you know like the like the the train coming at the mm-hmm. camera thing like it's honestly one of the tropes of westerns it is quite and funny like, so like the western genre is like inherently tied two movies well i mean a lot of the rise of um like theaters and stuff back in like the 50s and 60s um and even in the 40s a little bit um you'll get like um cowboy serials and stuff which are you know they were monumentally like central to a lot of the theater's success among like children and Mm -hmm. like just getting people to come back to the theater which is why cowboys have become so um synonymous with movies because their iconography was adopted so early and I mean, and it's like I said, like, could you imagine like superhero films, uh, <laughs> which might be like the closest thing that we have today to like Western films back then, because like every other film was a Western. Yeah, yeah. And now like you have like Marvel and DC. Oh and, gosh, like, man. And, <laughs> hey, well they're 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 dying out, man. They, Disney, they Disney to doesn't want it to happen. They're right. putting all their money. Oh, into they're really it, putting all their chips on the table. They're starting. <laughs> they're starting to die out, guys. I think they are starting to die out. I do think it's a shame. Though. Yeah, I'm big on the comic decline. Book fan. But um, <laughs> but yeah, westerns. I think like, I think like this. Every time like a good western comes out, I think it does like it's going to cause a little bit of resurgence. Yeah, because I think westerns in film are just like a match made in heaven. Well, I mean, I people it. people who like making movies are going to love westerns, you yeah. know? <laughs> I got to take it back, though, guys. There was there was a big western that released right before, like a year before Rango. Mm. Um, true, um, true Grit. The Coen oh, Brothers the Coen true, grit. true Grit. That could not have been the case. That could not have been what caused <laughs> Coen Brothers True Grit, then oh, Rango. Man. A remake of the one of the most popular westerns ever made. <laughs> made by very good directors with very good actors. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, the remake of True Grit, 
then Rango a year later, uh, <laughs> a little bit later, Django Unchained, The Lone Ranger, and like it just kind of carried on throughout the 2010s. Yeah. You really did have a bit of a resurgence there for like, mm-hmm. what, like 10, 15 years? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. No, you got, man, we got some good like Western remakes during that time. A lot of, a lot of what modern audiences consider Westerns to be come from that era of Westerns. Like that weird little 2010s resurgence. Yeah. Like when you say 310 to Yuma, a lot of people aren't going to think of like the super old Western. They're going to think of um, who did that. I think James Mangold directed yeah. the yeah. 310 to Yuma. Let's say you got Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the so, Sisters so Brothers. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, man, I still haven't seen that. <laughs> just, just like a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of Westerns that came out in the 2010s. Yeah. Cool. Good, I say. A lot of western westerns. Uh, I would even almost qualify "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood." Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty close to a western. Like you've right. got a lot of western iconography. Yeah, a lot of a lot of movies nowadays um, like to incorporate like western iconography and just general plotting and stuff into different genres. Um, which again, something like Nope is a good example of that. Yeah. More recently, I was about to say it's very interesting because you know you 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 mentioned like westerns being very tied to movies, but westerns are a very unique thing because most of their stylistic sensibilities come from samurai movies, which mm-hmm. yeah, even yeah, more even more so where like some of the even original like the Magnificent Seven, yeah, it's based off the of Seven Samurai. I was about yeah. to say some of the most original like creative movies out there were samurai movies getting yeah. made. Um, so then those tropes were carried on to western and then those tropes from westerns have been carried on to even more movies and you see a lot of their like symbolism and framing and stuff used in movies even still now yeah exactly (laughs) again um i in in reference to my like westerns are a pivotal part of cinema i'm referencing american cinema obviously yeah yeah italian cinema too italian cinema that is very true yeah a lot of italian which i think this one lends itself a lot more to the spaghetti western anyway. Absolutely, yeah. So. I would tend to agree. Which, which, I mean, like, a lot of people who love making movies love, like, Sergio Leone and, like, yeah. a lot of Italian directors and their sensibilities for westerns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they shot westerns in very unique <laughs> ways that yeah. kind of led to a lot of the tropes of westerns. Exactly, yeah. No, like, I I love how many of Western like the Western tropes came out of just necessity or low budgeting or stuff yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> it's great. It's a great genre. Great genre. <laughs> Lee, it's good. But right. yeah, yeah. I was about to say anything else. You guys want to mention? I think I think this time I mean it when I say that. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I have anything else. Rango. <laughs> right, yeah, cool. Rango. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in again. Yeah. Thanks so, for tuning are in. Are we gonna? Are we going to do a, what we watched? Yeah, I figured with, we'd do with, a brief well, one. With, well, not now. I was going to say, that's up to him, wouldn't it be? I have been busy traveling. Exactly, and... <laughs> yeah. I actually, I asked him about uh, it. So I, I have literally nothing logged for like probably the last two weeks <laughs> exactly. but Rango. So. <laughs> All right, well, uh, then stay tuned because we're going to do a what we watch segment. Uh, yeah. But sans Kaler. <laughs> thanks for having me on the uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, it was thank, a lot of fun. Thanks for joining. Excited. There's a lot of anticipation for this. Uh, <laughs> any, anything you want to uh, to shout out, to give a give a little <laughs> reference to for oh people gosh. to check out? Reference to for people to yeah, check like out? Yeah, like Letterboxd, social media, oh, anything like um, that. You can find me on Letterboxd at William Luker, I guess, if you want to like... <laughs> Follow me on Instagram. I don't do a lot of movie stuff there. Yeah, yeah. You can. I'm not even active on that. We'll, we'll at the very least have a link to your letterbox. Yeah, the show there you notes. go. Link it to my letterbox. <laughs> I give the best movie reviews. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 
Yeah. Thanks yeah. for thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, let's go ahead and move on to what we watched. So for those of you who are new to the podcast or have just never listened this far, the What We Watched segment is a little thing we do at the end where we talk about all of the movies we've seen since our last episode. We talk about them and give like brief little thoughts, ratings, and opinions. Wow. And we Opinions move on. and thoughts in the I'm same segment. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm, I had to redo the intro to the What We Watched segment. That's crazy. If that, it's if, never happened before. <laughs> and I already repeated a word in what I did there. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and for, for reference, we are recording this on uh, the day of re- release rather than the day we recorded the entire rest of the episode. And since why I'm so tired, because we recorded in the afternoon yeah. with Taylor, and I am. We were f- bustling and full of energy. <laughs> now, the energy is at a zero we will come to a grinding halt for the what we watched segment <laughs> yeah so we are going from the 11th which was when we watched zootopia yeah. so anything after that april 11th april 11th absolutely um so i suppose yeah i mean we we watched uh we, we watched both mostly, watched a movie i was gonna say we mostly watched well different things yes uh what did you watch Ruby? well the night of april 12th i went out to atlanta and i caught the like atlanta preview press i don't i, I guess i don't remember that premiere that's the word i'm I looking for say, it was the premiere the, i thought the atlanta premiere for big george foreman the miraculous story of the once and future heavyweight champion of the world which is a mouthful of a title so <laughs> uh, i usually just refer to it as big george foreman <laughs> uh, but yeah it was a lot of fun uh i was sitting on the very very front row though so i was very close to the interviews which was cool for the screening but uh not not so great when you're trying to watch a big big screen <laughs> it was like an imax size screen and i was sitting like 12 feet away from it <laughs> to like prop your neck yeah. up <laughs> i didn't know my seat could recline until halfway through the movie so i literally just sat there with my head craned up for for like an hour um but it was fun uh i really enjoyed it it was better than i expected it to be um with these kind of like smaller biopics i'm never quite sure what to expect quality wise but this is probably like the best version of this that i could ask for so uh yeah it was cool uh, it was, i gave it a four out of five it was funny i read this really this really goofy review for that, that mm-hmm. this one person was like uh he got an email from this thing inviting him to a premiere for it like yeah. an early like before the movie was finished like a pre-screening yeah like um, a test screening and he showed up and apparently like he he started to realize slowly while he was there with different weird questions and stuff mm-hmm. uh that he was at a pastors only screening for it <laughs> and everybody thought he was a pastor then. <laughs> that's so funny oh my god so they're like what church are you with what, what are you planning on using this in your ma-? apparently he hated it like they're... he was so uncomfortable in the screening and then he thought the movie was just mid <laughs> there's um there was at least five like pastors confirmed pastors in the theater with me when i was watching this. but it was really but that was just re- that, that review it's it's probably one of the more top ones on letterboxd yeah. i don't know not there's that's not... actually premiered yeah there's um, not any public reviews yet but uh it was on letterboxd anyway oh well i guess it'll be check. it'll be listed under the oh yeah that's members, where I but it. not yeah um, until it's released it's not going to list any but yeah reviews. it was it was funny <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah 
which is weird because this isn't like a Christian movie. Like, well, by no, any no. Means. In his review, he literally <laughs> talked about how much they sold it to these pastors, yeah. and then it was like ten minutes of it about his ministry. I was about to say, like <laughs> George Foreman in the movie, he goes into ministry, and like it is a plot point, but like it's not the focus of the movie. Like his spirituality and journey with God is not like the main no, focus of the movie. The guy, the guy was making fun of it for that. <laughs> so he weird. wasn't like mad that it was just like a Christian propaganda piece, but just like how goofy it was and hey, how like uncomfortable he was his theater experience if was. you're if you're comparing this to like any of pure flicks's movies this is like citizen kane you know <laughs> it's good so i like i said i i really enjoyed it i'd probably enjoy it even more if i could like watch the whole screen while i did because i had to like i had to turn my head to see either side of the screen while it was playing so <laughs> well uh yeah but it was good i gave it a four out of five it was a lot of fun to go see it in atlanta and everything yeah also on the 12th um i watched or rewatched rather uh josh and benny safty's uncut gems uncut gems and i watched it with my girlfriend they Haley. should they should cut those gems you know they'd be worth a little more i guess no Rabbi, when it's uncut it's in its raw state i know but like people don't want to buy just an uncut gem you know? only, yeah only people who are willing to pay for it what it's really worth would wow. buy it in its uncut state <laughs> <laughs> so what, how was Uncut Gems? Uh, Uncut Gems is a masterpiece, one of the best movies ever made, probably. Ooh, um, spicy. Not, I mean, I would probably, really. I'd probably, I'd probably agree that it's definitely a masterpiece, but I don't know about best ever made. No, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Wow. Uh, second time around, it's still absolutely amazing. I just love what this movie is doing. The performances are fantastic. Uh, I always, always like it when I show Haley like. I don't know. Not this isn't even like an unconventional movie by any means. I mean, it's not a conventional. But movie. yeah, but it's not exactly a conventional movie that like that. It's I'm kind of a strange surrealist say, thriller. Kind show, of thing. I was about to say whenever I show her something like this that <laughs> I really love, but I'm really not sure if she'll love, and then she gets super into it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, good movies. So she got nice. really into this movie, and I was very happy about. I mean, it's that. not cut gems, um, you know, <laughs> right. But no, I genuinely like man. This this movie makes me surprisingly emotional for what it is, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I give it a five out of five. It's one of those like um, street level profound movies that I like, <laughs> where I'm just like, dang, crying in the club right now. It's good stuff. <laughs> then on the thirteenth, I watched uh, Before Midnight. What? Finishing up the Before trilogy. Wow. Um, I can't believe it's called the Before Trilogy when you, when the last movie is called Before Midnight. Uh, and I do not understand <laughs> why people think this is the worst of them. Like, there's like the, there's still a lot of people who really love this one, but in general, like among my friends on Letterboxd, this one is much lower rated than the other two. Interesting. Um, I think its average is pretty like on par with the other ones. Yeah, right? yeah. But like, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I thought this was literally just as good as the other. Two. Like I hold these all three like pretty much on equal ground in terms of how good they are. Uh, this one, this one was like I don't know. I even liked I, like I almost like this one more, and I think that's just recently recency bias. Yeah, <laughs> but like th- what this one is doing is really unique, even among the other two. Interesting. Um, it's the most real feeling of any of them in terms of like doesn't feel like a dream realism kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The the first one very much feels like a dream. The second <laughs> one feels like I don't know. It kind of plays with the different stages of love. You know, well, like the first one they're like head over heels, absolutely <laughs> bonkers. The second one they're like in this weird, like still very like hyper romantic state. 
Um, yeah. And then in the third one, it's like, you know, 10 years later, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. It looks cool. I mean, I've, I've said this every single week when you've watched one of these movies, but I, I really want to see <laughs> these movies. No, it was it was really fantastic. <laughs> and see, I, the only thing I could think of is that it's the most like traditionally unpleasant of any of them to watch because most oh of my. the movie is them like arguing. <laughs> hey, I mean, you can have there's there's good argument movies out there. Well, yeah, but everyone's like really invested in these characters. It's very sad to see them argue like this, really. Mike is like, we hate to see it. Uh, but anyway, I give it a five out of five. I think the whole trilogy is a masterpiece. Very cool. Uh, and later on the 13th, we watched Rango, which wow. we have just talked about for quite a while. There you go. Um, and then on the 14th, uh, I watched a little film called uh, Boston Strangler. The which Boston Strangler. I keep thinking that it should be called The Boston Strangler, but it's just called Boston Strangler. They dropped the the, apparently. <laughs> um, it's got Kira Knightley in it. The Contraband. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's a neat movie. Um, it's pretty much what you'd expect from like a period piece procedural set in Boston with Kira Knightley. <laughs> like that's pretty much the movie, you know. My, my only frame frame of reference for Boston right now is The Departed. The Departed exactly. <laughs> Gosh. Um but yeah, it's funny. I got um since this was playing on Hulu, it had ads. Uh I got an ad for crime movies also on Hulu and like The Departed came up. Uh, I think Zodiac came up. I'm like, "Man, I wish I was watching The Departed or Zodiac right now instead of Boston Strangler." That's funny. Um but I said in my review that it's a poor man's Zodiac and it really is. It's stylistically um imitating that, which works, but it just doesn't execute it as a well as Zodiac does. style movie. Yeah. I, I would watch it again for Kira Knightley, though. She was good. <laughs> uh, then on the 14th, we had headed out to our local AMC. And, the AMC, baby. And caught the Super Mario Bros. movie. We said, gotcha. <laughs> we caught it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the Super Mario Bros. Mushroom movie. Kingdom. Mushroom here Kingdom. We here we come. I can't believe that line wasn't in the movie. Of course it's not going to. Something like that that everybody made fun of so much. Of course it's not going to be in the movie. I love how instead they just have him like the, the awkward silence as they walk over the mushrooms was very nice. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. But yeah. The Mario movie. Super Mario, Super Mario Bros. Bros. Movie. movie. Um, it's Illumination. It's it's probably like Illumination's like second best movie. Despicable Me is still the best. Yeah, Despicable Me is still the best because Despicable Me is like a, a good real time. like a real movie, a and movie. it's like good. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, most of their movies are like bad, and this one's barely a real movie. So it's it's um it's it's teetering on just being like this weird collection of random scenes kind of thing <laughs> instead of being like a movie, you know. I, so so a lot of people going into this, they're like, oh, you know you don't go to mario for the plot and i'm like yeah fair enough like if this is gonna have a light plot that's fine yeah, i don't care this doesn't have it not barely li- has a light a plot. plot this barely has a it plot like, has literally anything. it is almost like like there are a few lines stitching together certain scenes cohesion <laughs> i swear man it's a it's a mess it's uh, a it's a mess of a movie. <laughs> I I still had I, I still enjoyed this in theaters. I will admit it. I I enjoyed watching this in theaters. I watched it with Haley. There you go. Uh, and I mean Marion and Kaylor and you were like we yeah. were, were like the the five of us went to the theater. Five of us went out to uh, the theater for this. But like you know me and Haley like we talked yeah. pretty much the whole movie. We joked about it. We were making jokes about what was happening. Mario reference jokes. Like it was it was a fun time it's in the theater real. for me. <laughs> uh, but the movie itself. Uh, <laughs> 
feels feels like a product specifically designed to be perfectly passable for kids and parents. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I, I said in my review that it it gave me nothing and it left me with nothing, you know? <laughs> that's that's kind of how my whole experience was. Like, I appreciate um, mostly the score, really, but, like, some of the Mario references are fun. Uh, but I it, it is not nearly enough to hold me over for it's, an hour and a half. It still is really funny to me with Ryan Ryan Lee's uh, <laughs> Ryan Lee on Letterboxd uh, review. Right. Uh, he, he's got the quote from the movie, the quote from the movie, which is, that is not a commercial that is cinema and he's like yeah yeah <laughs> sure i'm not i'm not buying it this time lego I, lego movie was the only one who could do it <laughs> some of the some of the plot points are actually a little baffling if you if you examine them at all and and like that wouldn't inherently be a bad thing but all of the characters are also paper thin like there is no character growth there is no character development it there makes, are no characters there are dude. no characters they're just they're just like these so, weird icons there are these fun bright action set pieces with a bunch of mario references back to back to back to back uh, for an hour and a half and it's very entertaining for kids I, and for adults who aren't engaging with yeah. it too much they're just like it just breezes by it's short enough and it's uh, things are always happening there's there's always something happening um, it may not make much sense in the context <laughs> of the movie but there's so something. i i totally understand why mass audiences and kids absolutely love this movie i very much get it i just got nothing uh, out of it man but like it is it is it's fine it is so weird like it is <laughs> genuinely so weird to watch in my opinion if imagine i'm imagining someone who's never played mario watching this movie and just being absolutely baffled by everything because <laughs> right? they explain nothing of mario they explain absolutely and it's nothing. just <laughs> chocked full of mario references uh yeah. but the, the last thing i'll say about this because okay. we're taking a while on this one uh, we could do an episode on this <laughs> right really. I, I, I would, I would love to do an episode on mario right uh but the last thing i'll say is when the movie was getting close to the end i sat there in the theater and thought to myself i bet this movie is getting close to the end because and, and it didn't feel like the movie was getting close the dramatic to the tension the thing. did not have enough momentum to be like oh yeah this should be like where the conclusion well no is. i thought i thought that like right right like during the rainbow road mm -hmm. scene i was like you know what i guarantee this is about to be like the last big thing before we get to the finale stuff uh -huh. and it was and you and got the you got i was the jonah like, and the whale i was thing. like that is the stupidest thing i have ever seen just like the the structure of it is absolutely a nightmare in my mind but again i still enjoyed it and it's still pretty simple um whatever it was fun i gave it a three out of five i also gave it a three out of five if i gave half stars though it would have been a, a certified two and a half <laughs> then on the 16th uh i tuned in to ladybird the old, the old ladybird greta gerwig's ladybird this was my second time watching it uh it's fantastic amazing beautiful perfect. i feel like you i feel like you've mentioned ladybird on here more times than you've actually seen it because it's, it's ladybird right <laughs> it's greta gerwig's ladybird greta gerwig's ladybird greta gerwig director of little women and ladybird and barbie and soon to be barbie <laughs> well she already directed it my god 
I think. <laughs> Unless they're still shooting. <laughs> uh, uh, she got to like direct to the post production. <laughs> there you go. All right. But uh, yeah, Lady Bird. But yeah, Lady Bird's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, it's very much like a me kind of movie in terms of coming of age stories. Because not every coming of age story has me sold, though I am a pretty big fan of the genre. I feel like a good um, coming of age story should have everyone sold, you know? <laughs> but this this thing is just fantastic. I love its religious themes. I love its like just the, the way it uses characters. Uh, Houston Coley and his review had a good, mm-hmm. a very good way of capturing kind of the way this film kind of goes about showing all of these characters alone. Like it's a, it's a very alone kind of movie, nice. and it allows each of the characters, even the side characters, to really have a lot of character and emotion and loneliness throughout the movie. Interesting. Um, I mean, having only seen Little Women, I'm very excited to see Lady Bird. <laughs> and the the mother daughter relationship is really like one of the most interesting mother daughter relationships I've ever seen put to screen. There you go. Um, so what what can you do? It's Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig <laughs> or Lady Bird. Uh, see, I'm tired. I'm mixing <laughs> things up. It's, but also, Greta Gerwig's Little Women is also a masterpiece. So it is. You know, just throw in a couple more <laughs> Sir Sharon and Greta Gerwig masterpieces. There you go. Uh, five out of five, obviously. <laughs> uh, then on the seventeenth, uh, I finished. I, I, I arbitrarily logged this uh, over the last like three or four nights. I had been watching Jurassic Park to fall asleep to, Jurassic which Park. may seem weird to you. You may think about that and be like, falling asleep to a dinosaur action movie? That's kind of weird. (laughs) Uh, But I used to do this, like, I don't know why, but this is just a movie I used to turn on to fall asleep to. Uh, and I know it so well, and it's just kind of like, it's almost like a comforting movie to fall asleep to for me. It does not keep me awake. It's kind of a cozy movie. Um, but it's, yeah, it's kind of cozy, so like, I'll, I'll tune into this baby to fall asleep <laughs> to sometimes. Nice. Uh, and I did that. Uh, so again, it was over like three or four nights, but it's still it's still Jurassic Park. It's a mess. I mean, it's Jurassic. I it's so weird. I used to think that Jurassic Park was like a lesser Spielberg. Boo! And back when I was first getting into his other movies. Boo! Um, but I have since watched it uh, after seeing like a majority of his filmography, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is one of his best. Ones. Five out of five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then on the 18th, uh, I tuned in to my first Yargos Lanthimos movie. What? Uh, we, That's crazy. We're watching. We're watching the favorite. Baby. We're watching the favorite, uh, as everyone should. <laughs> bought it. Bought it at the used movie store a couple days ago, and I was like, you know what? I want to turn that I'm baby turn on. on the movie that I uh, bought. Who would have thought it? <laughs> and lo and behold, it was really, really, really fantastic. Um, it's not. My, it's not my favorite thing in the I world. I put that into it, my man. review. That that I don't think that. And I, and I think part of that is probably because I had to stop it in the middle. Yeah. And go eat dinner. Uh which was unfortunate, but it didn't quite like the ending itself didn't quite hit as hard as I would have liked. Mm. Um, especially being that I've seen so many people like praise the ending as being like the best part of the movie. <laughs> and like, it was very cool, but I wasn't like, I didn't feel as much as I wanted to from the ending, but man, this is probably one of like the smartest scripts I've seen in the yes. while. That's, um, that's all I wanted to hear. It's so head. it's so layered <laughs> and the, the dynamics and I, some, so uh, somebody in like I was reading through reviews, somebody called this like the smartest love triangle ever put to screen. <laughs> and I would kind of agree with that. I've never seen a love triangle like justify itself as being a love triangle that's awesome. as much as this movie has. <laughs> 
um it's so cool to watch it because i, I mean know. when that's your whole movie is a love triangle like you better hope you hit it right you <laughs> emma, know? emma stone is so like conniving and yes. like malicious in Evil this movie emma stone. and she gives it, it is genuinely what i think is emma stone's best performance i've ever seen it i is cannot wait so to watch good. this dude uh, <laughs> obviously the cinematography is outstanding and unique and impressive uh, everybody will everybody who's talking about this movie mentions that the score really reminded me of johnny greenwood to the fact that i thought it was johnny greenwood through a lot of it yeah uh, but it's just classical pieces that's awesome uh man. and it really like the entire movie just made me think <laughs> of like a pta movie if, if so um, so far what you said is that it's brilliantly written has my favorite actress in it and looks amazing so and, remind, and reminded movie. me of your favorite director <laughs> writing favorite director so <laughs> it's kind of sounding like it's going to be the best Best movie ever <laughs> no yeah i this is a movie that ravi will love i guarantee i, uh, I really i think it's fantastic um <laughs> there was actually again for how much i was getting into it especially emma stone's <laughs> performance specifically there's this like shot in the bedroom when the one character like walks in and she sees the two of the two of like the queen and emma stone in bed um and Emma Stone's like sure, her eyes are closed like she's sleeping and she's like she's like shocked and surprised and it's very very dark because you know it's the old times the they old don't have times. electricity she's got like a candle uh, so she starts like backing up and like she turns around and walks out of the room and as she walks out of the room Emma Stone like opens her eyes and watches her leave and it's such a sick moment that's awesome and dude. I and I actually like put my I was like I, like I put my hands up and was Cheering like in the theater. like I actually like did that that's even awesome. though I was watching this by myself <laughs> like that's how into her performance I was getting. It was such a it was such a sick moment. I watched um Yargos Lanthimos's short film and really loved it. Um so I'm kind of hoping that I like stylistically I'm gonna really enjoy this. So uh, uh, Nimic. What, I was about to say what Yargos Lanthimos short film he's done several. <laughs> it was really good. Uh but yeah. Very, very interesting movie. I can't wait I to watch it, it dude. Uh, I give it a five out of five. <laughs> it looks like it's gonna be my new favorite movie, honestly. <laughs> so I watched I watched a lot of five out of fives, if you noticed, but Very a nice. lot of those were rewatches. To be fair, yeah. So yeah, because one, two, three, four, five, re- five out of fives. Mine were all first watches except for Rango. So, I but I only say, watched three movies. I was about to say three out, of three out of those five were rewatches. <laughs> only before midnight, and yeah. the favorite were new. But yeah, um, Big George Foreman was fun. Go catch that in theaters if it sounds at all interesting to you. <laughs> so tell us what you thought about the Mario movie. The Mario. And if we should do a, do an episode on the Mario movie. And Rango, too. Uh, tell us that on our on our Letterboxd HQ page. Letterboxd Recently HQ. logged on Letterboxd. Um, you can comment on the review for this episode or just on our big uh, episode list, either way. We would very much appreciate it. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can uh, answer your thoughts in like the little bubbles i don't don't know i don't know how it looks i don't use spotify (laughs) you like i don't know there's like a poll and there's a question section Uh, if you want a little bubble yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about Uh, no i don't (laughs) spotify viewers you know what i'm talking about uh go watch jurassic park it's a cinematic classic if you like kira knightley with a weird boston accent go watch boston's trailer (laughs) and uh have a good week we'll see you guys next time catch you in the next one